You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 292, we're discussing DC fandom, including the Batman, Black Adam, The Flash, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. And guys, fandom has come and gone, and we are left with an absolute mountain of content to discuss. Fandom, guys, this mega virtual conference, which was held this past Saturday, further redefined dc and really set up the next two or three years particularly in the tv and film space it's really built on the success of last year's mega event and streamlined the content down to a four-hour runtime that had an absolute breakneck pace to it and i cannot wait to discuss everything from that batman and flash trailer the black adam trailer We've got behind the scenes for Aquaman 2 and Shazam 2. All the HBO Max films and TV shows, including Peacemaker, Blue Beetle, Batgirl, DMZ, Cape Crusader. we got video games, guys. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff to mix in there, including a major change for Superman. So we're not going to waste any time this week. We're going to jump straight into it. And we're not even going to do Are We Can Nerd because we have so much content to get to. we got to wait on that plastic. And we'll talk about it next week, of course. But guys, let's just fire off straight into it. DC Fandom. Things will never be the same. All right, gentlemen. The hype was... On another level this past Saturday, we experienced this together both virtually in the DM and with a lot of our friends online and in live stream. So we've talked a lot about this, but now we've had a couple days to digest this event, digest the Batman trailer, digest what is happening in the Flash and all of these amazing reveals and announcements from inside of DC Phantom. Yes, this is covering a lot of stuff that has been announced, but this to me was really a state of the union for DC film and TV. This was formulating and really laying out the plan for the next two to three years and really firmly setting their foot on the gas for DC. For the first time in a long time, guys, we have a very clear picture as to what DC film and TV is and the directions they're taking with some of their staple characters very very exciting event a lot of hype across the board both inside of the community and fandom as a whole but i gotta get your guys first thoughts here your overall thoughts on fandom now i want to go over to my dude troy here to kick things off give us your high level thoughts here man on fandom the announcements the trailers the experience did it meet your expectations take it away my dude Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, DC fandom, you know, the anticipation was real because ever since the first one back in 2020, I've been craving another event. 
And mm-hmm. man, when this came, you know, the DM, it was the sequel to last year with our DMs. <laughs> we were in there going crazy. And, you know, there was a... Uh, there were some things I felt like they did a lot better than last year. Some things I also felt last year they did a little bit better. But this year, I really give them um, an applause for their host. I loved that they had uh, Tiffany Smith. Um, I remember back on the AMC days and Collider from Jedi Council. And uh, she's such a nerd. And she's been working with WB for quite some time. And I felt like she really carried that show pretty well. So it had a nice kind of flow going on. Um, and I like when they inserted trailers like Black Adam the Batman obviously at the end and then some goodies in between. And I like that they still kept a comic related as well. Like they mm-hmm. gave us a lot of cool things uh, to do with static. And then they also yes. went over to the video game side as well. So they hit all sorts of fandom in the DC umbrella. And so all in all for me, I really had a blast with it. I, I, I still think, I still think I preferred the first one a little bit more just because they gave us things that we had no idea was coming. They gave us some yeah. new announcements, but this year they did a really good job on delivering from the announcements that they made last year and giving mm-hmm. us a nice, great segment and pieces and chunks of goodies. So it's a win-win for everybody, but I had a lot of fun with DC fandom. But I got to give a shout out to you guys because you guys really made me just have a blast with this whole event. It was the DMs. The DMs were live. So all in all, it's a win, man. It's great. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I was extremely worried going to this event. If I had like one aspect that I was concerned about, it was that the DM was not going to live up to your expectations, Troy. (laughs) (laughs) It lived up for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it did, man. It was a ton of fun. Now, we got to see a lot of Batman, and we need to hear from the goddamn Batman himself. DC fandom, how was it for you? Man, I loved it. Like, I, uh, you know, I I was kind of, hoping for the best brace for the worst and it like troy said it just delivered it was the evolution of what we got last year mm-hmm. uh a shorter event but i think it was just the right uh length of time because any shorter like it could have been more concise if you wanted it to be but then you lose that kind of convention and big event type of feel mm-hmm. right then it's just like an infomercial type of thing and if it starts getting too long, then you get pieces of filler that's going to alienate those those segments of the audience that you're trying to woo in, right? Like guys like me, died in the wool, will be there for, put it on for 10 hours and I'll be there the whole time. But you don't want to lose those people that you got excited last year that maybe felt they missed out because they skipped it and decided to dial in. So it was like Troy said, like a nice balance of everything. You got just the right amount of, video game stuff, just the right amount of movie stuff, just the right amount of <clears throat> comic book. And uh, they they touched on everything. And I loved how they gave the things that were appropriate to shine, those moments to shine. Like in that comic book space, what's the most important thing for them? The milestone relaunch and Superman. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, like they could have talked about all these different Batman books that they have come in or like the Wonder Woman 80th projects, but they didn't. They just focused on the two most imminent and important things. And same with the movies. Like I felt a little bad for the rock that after like all these years of anticipation, he comes out, people are hyped and then he gets the the doors blown off of him by the Batman. (laughs) But at the same time, like that is our next movie out of the gate. So Mm -hmm. sure. Why not? And, uh, yeah, man, it uh, it delivered for me. And like I said, it had that convention feel. It was long enough, and then we just got that DM cooking back and mm. forth, back and forth, back and forth. And 
Yeah, man. It, like, honestly, the only disappointment was the one that I got to own. I got to I got to take that one because I saw Ed Boon and I'm like, Troy, Injustice 3 planted that seed. We were both convinced we were getting Injustice 3. <laughs> and then when it didn't happen, we're like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. But, but that was my own fault. You I, I got to own man. that one, man. You and me both. <laughs> I got to own that one. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you both. I really like this event this year. Last year was, was something special because we had been in a weird space for quite some time on pseudo lockdown. We hadn't really gone back out into the real world at this time yet. And this one really was a continuation. I like one of you said that it was just really a continuation, a piece of last year's last year built the foundation for what delivered in this iteration of dc fandom and i kind of like thinking them as like one continuous a part one part two a sequel if you will to dc fandom one and i i kind of agree that yeah we didn't get some big huge announcements but i don't my expectation was never that my expectation was we need to see the stuff that is going to be that foundational material for the next two or three years we need to see the Black Adam. We need to see more of the Batman. We need to see the freaking Flash. And it delivered on all that for me. It exceeded, actually. Both those, or all of those trailers, exceeded my expectations on how much hype and nostalgia and excitement they actually brought me in the moment. Now that we've actually stepped back and had time to digest some of that, I still feel that same amount of hype for all of those properties. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, in the moment... I don't think anyone can deny that they were excited about those things, especially mm -hmm. us that are ingrained in here and in the trenches with it and sat down and did live streams and all this, but having a few minutes to breathe on it and you're still maintaining that height level. That is the important piece coming out of this, right? That is the control, the narrative that we talk about all the time with DC and that's what they're doing here. They've, they've shown us so much content here that they actually owned an entire day on social media inside of most of fandom discussions which is really impressive i at times felt like i could not breathe in between segments <laughs> it was like the black adam and then this and then oh my god this and then the blue beetle suit <laughs> the flash trailer and it's like oh keaton's back it's like what is <laughs> happening it was yeah. it was a lot of information to digest and to be honest with you any big announcements might have gotten lost in the sauce there a little bit it, it might have gotten lost behind the Flash or lost behind the Batman. And so there's more events. There's more time. And I'm I'm really digging this. And I think the only thing I can knock on it is the, the big scaping virtual stuff. You lose a little personality in there at times. But other than that, like, we kind of got to accept this because otherwise we don't get it. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, the idea that this is virtual and it's free and it's accessible to literally everyone across the planet, including different languages, that, like, there's nothing on planet Earth like this in fandom that is this accessible with this low of a barrier for entry, with this many avenues explored for the entry of a multitude of different types of fans, whether you're young, old, whether you like Blue Beetle, whether you like Peacemaker, whether you like Dark Stuff video games, it was all there for you. So it was really cool to see all that. And shout out to Flula. That guy didn't yeah. get enough love. The oh. Batman trailer kind of sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> but man, I was in stitches listening to awesome. that guy when he was hosting this segment. And I also thought that that was pretty cool too, is how they had a personality from mm -hmm. each kind of um, 
I don't know, like pillar of DC. Like you get to the Suicide Squad stuff, Flulo's running it, and then you get to the CW stuff and Javicia Leslie's running it. So I thought that was kind of neat too that they had a star from somewhere in that uh, franchise kind of guiding the conversation for a big section of it. So that was kind of neat, I thought. Yeah. I also like the news slash stuff with Iris. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Popping out and be like, oh, something's happening. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into the content, guys, here. Like I said, we have an absolute crazy amount to get through here. So let's, let's just jump into it, guys. Let's talk about HBO Max. Let's kick this one off in a big, major way. This is the platform that is going to be absorbing a lot of DC content over the next couple of years. It's going to be really used as a launch pad for several franchises, both TV and in the film world. So Peacemaker, number one here. We knew this trailer was coming. James Gunn had announced it. We know who Peacemaker is. We know what this is roughly about. But this trailer finally gave us a full broader insight into the cast the ensemble and really john cena a bit more i i am so excited for this show that is now debuting on january 13th on hbo max in and crave up here as well or is, are we stuck without it no we'll get this one oh, we'll anything this that's one. made by hbo okay we, by perfect. rights we should get so perfect perfect so carlos Talk to me here about this Peacemaker tra- trailer, Cena, and the larger ensemble that we're, we're seeing put together around him right now, including that freaking eagle. Oh, man. Eagly? Eagly is the, <laughs> it's, he's the bird. But, uh, yeah, no, this one this one got me excited. I, I actually uh, was really taken aback by how sincere it was and just kind of the, the human emotion that they had woven into the story. And I got the most excited just listening to James Gunn's enthusiasm mm. over like his passion for this project and how excited he was about the things that they allowed him to do and where he wants to take this thing. So you really got the sense that this wasn't a tick in the boxes. We need to get a character from the suicide squad in an HBO max show. It was, I have this idea. I'm really excited about it. Will you work with me to see it happen? And so that was cool. And even, um, to hear Peter Safran talking about it and just give you a, a little glimpse as to where the executive mindset with DC is now and uh, Warner Brothers was, man, it was exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm all in for Peacemaker and, you know, let's see if he's a joke or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this <laughs> I like is going to be, I think Cena's shining moment is going to be this, this real breakout because he's, He's been in films, but he's usually part of an ensemble, not carrying a film. And he's got to carry this. Yes, he's got an ensemble around him, but he's got a lot of the work to do, a lot of the heavy lifting to do for this show. And, Troy, the show's been building momentum for you mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. Now that we've got substantial amount of footage in front of us, is that mindset fully changed? Is it a January 13th, day one watch for you? It most likely is, and that and that all falls to the power of James Gunn's directing. This guy is a character director, and the fact is, you look at the catalog and the history of John Cena, and for me, it's it's never impressed me. I've, I haven't been a Cena fan outside of wrestling. I haven't been a fan in his Hollywood acting career. And if you go back to this time last year, and he told me Peacemaker's show, I think he's even announced this time last year, but I wasn't into it. I wasn't into the Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. After seeing the Suicide Squad, seeing what James Gunn did with John Cena's acting chops, I'm completely in because he's found his groove for this character of where to fit yeah. in. 
And um, now that we're getting, what, like eight, nine episodes, mm-hmm. I, I, I suppose, with this character, uh, I'm totally for it, man. It's it's James Gunn's DNA all over it, because I think he wrote four or five episodes, I think you guys mentioned. I think he, he did six out of the eight. Yeah, so yeah he's done he quite wrote a bit most of, of them and then directed quite a few of them as well. Right, yeah. So, uh, no, that has me right there. And then the ensemble, you can never go wrong with James Gunn's ensemble. It's it's no. it's fantastic what he does with those the character building alone. It can be the most wacky character. It can be the character that takes himself so seriously. It doesn't matter. He's gonna deliver on these guys. So uh, no, I'm there. I'm I'm day one. I'm watching this. I mean, we're getting it here over in Canada, so I'm on board. And um, I'll probably do another rewatch of the Suicide Squad because that's still mm-hmm. my favorite superhero film of the year as of right now. So I will definitely give it another shot, and then uh, I'll check out the show. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Excitement across the board here. The show that no one asked for and everyone yes. wants. <laughs> yeah. It just goes to show, man. Just goes to show. Exactly. You got to give creatives the space. Yeah. Don't yeah. let's like, let's not worry about the announcement. Let's worry about the product at the end of the day. And then we can put our two cents into that and then move on to the next thing. Cause the next thing here is blue beetle. So a very much long awaited film. I believe it's a film. I thought it was a show first, but it's a film on HBO max now. Yes. Which I believe was confirmed here inside of DC fandom. We've got Zolo from uh, Cobra Kai, which uh, we've got a new season coming here in just a few weeks, few months, I should say. End of December, he's taking up that title role of Blue Beetle. We got a first look at the suit, a very electrified blue suit. Looks relatively comic accurate. And we got some insight from the directors, from the creatives here, which was actually what put me over here for Blue Beetle. I have zero concept or idea as to what this character is or really who this character is, but the excitement, and this is something I think that we saw percolated right through DC fandom is the creatives were excited to be doing their work, to being involved with certain characters and being given the free reign to develop these ideas in the directions that they wanted to go. And so that's, what's got me hyped for blue beetle. Like the suit looks awesome. Troy, let, let's let's talk a little bit about Blue Beetle here. Being an HBO Max film, an exclusive release, likely inside of 2022, maybe early 2023. I'm not mm-hmm. too sure on this one. But it's coming. They haven't started much here. We got a first piece of concept art. Yeah. This was not exactly an announcement, but it was an expansion on something that we have known. And uh, and the creatives, man, they're, they're super excited for this one. Yeah, for me, it's all about the creatives. Um, I, I, I don't know nothing about them, but their passion was huge throughout that whole panel. And you could just see how much they love the property and the culture is real, man. So, no, for me, I'm, I'm super on board with it. I don't know much about the actor from Cobra Kai, but I, I think he's a breakout on that series, if I'm right. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, so so that's cool. My only gripe is uh, I'm still I'm still a big screen movie guy, and I feel like if this mm-hmm. is a HBO movie, put it on the big screen first. I really feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity. I get it why they're doing the HBO Max thing, but I feel like there's so many other things on HBO Max that's driving your audience there anyways. Why not put this out on the big screen and get even a wider audience to come check out and support this film? That's my only thing. But um, apart from that, Blue Beetle... Um, well, the second Blue Beetle this is. This is High Mid, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm only familiar with him when it comes to, um, I believe, the Young Justice and the Brave and the Bold. That's that's where I've kind of played around with this character. And it's a little bit of fun. And like, I think the suit's kind of like a symbiotic 
it's like a symbiote of some yes. sort, right? So um, I, I think that's fascinating. And I think something like that screams to be live action. Um, to see that dynamic between this character and his costume, I think that's going to be pretty cool. And if they can make some ties to um, the original Blue Beetle for my boy Grabs, because I know he's a big um, Booster Gold and the original Blue Beetle mm-hmm. uh, fanboy. But, uh, and I'm sure they will, because I think they even showed it in the concept art, right? That we see his name in, uh, in the background there. Um, yeah, so. it's Cord Industries is in the background of the picture. Right, so. right. Is it Ted Cord, is it? or? Yeah, Ted Cord Ted is like Cord. the original Blue Beetle. That's right, that's right. So, um, no, so I'm, I'm excited for it. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm a theatrical guy. So if you put this on the big screen first, I'm there day one. But, okay, I mean, going back to what Carlos said, if this is an HBO Max, then we'll get it over here in Canada anyways on Crave, I believe, right? So mm-hmm. at least I'll still be able to get my eyes on the screen. So I'm there, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting debate, the theatrical versus HBO Max. I'm kind of of two minds from this. I can see both sides of the argument. I can see the need and the desire to put these properties onto HBO Max, but also, as you were saying, maybe some of the the negative aspects of taking it away from the big screen, not being able to experience that. And do you take the character away a little bit from having a a more wider, more pervasive look Mm -hmm. from audiences? So I wish there was some way that we could there's it's impossible to do but some metric right like who will get more eyes on blue beetle hbo max or the big screen right so i I have no idea they have no you look how good ant-man does in the theaters yeah blue beetle (laughs) is not not stepping too far outside of that (laughs) but carlos blue beetle Oh man, you just you you look at the passion that like angel soto i think was the director from Charm City Kings and like, well, even today, like him and uh, Zolo, they were kind of going back and forth on Twitter. Like we feel like Blue Beetle, like we didn't get to say everything we wanted to say about it and we didn't get the hype that we wanted to get out of it. But like, we're so passionate about this project and it it was so cool. And just like listening to their mindset about they have Jaime and how he's going to be submerged in the superhero culture. But the most important culture is the fact that he's Mexican-American and he can't act like a normal superhero hiding his life from his parents because Mexican-American families don't function like that. So he's (laughs) got to make them part of the equation and part of the conversation with what he's doing. And just that that's their mindset. And you you just watch him and the writer, uh, the the chemistry that they have together, you know that we're going to get something pretty special out of this movie. Uh, I know they announced who the costume designer was today and the the lady that's doing it, she's got a few pretty sweet MCU uh, movies under her belt. So we know that that costume is going to deliver. And yeah, Jaime, he's a pretty interesting character. And I I love that it's going to probably tip a little closer to him and his family and his experience as opposed to being a Ted Cord show where he's the mentor mm-hmm. kind of grooming Jaime. Like, yeah. I think they'll intersect a bit. But uh, that these guys are clearly going to be focused on Jaime has got me pretty excited about this project. And yeah, you know what? If it, if it gets off the ground, I kind of think that they could grow this into something grander. And maybe we see, so to speak, our Avengers assemble on HBO Max, but we get the big screen uh, team up movie mm. kind of thing down the line or something like that. So yeah, it, it's pretty cool, man. Like, I defy anybody to watch these three gentlemen talk about this movie they're putting together and not wish them anything but the utmost yes. success. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. They put off this, a very, very palpable vibe. Yeah. 
inside mm-hmm. of that. And and Batgirl is another HBO Max getting similar treatment to a Blue Beetle is. It'll be an exclusive film on that platform. And it had also a very similar vibe to the short panel they did for that with the creatives being very excited. We got Christina Hodgson returning to DC to actually pen this. We've got Leslie Grace in that role of Batgirl embracing it in so many different ways. We've got this cool announcement that she is, of course, going to have red hair. She's going to wear a cowl, not a mask. And they showed us the first concept art to which my oldest daughter flipped the freak out about it. <laughs> she it was, it was really great to see her reaction. She's a big fan of Batgirl. That's who she's going as for Halloween this year. And for her to see a realization of a character that's going to be on the small screen, but you know we're going to get a film out of it. She was super excited. And we I know we had mentioned on the live stream that she was going to come in to, to review it with us at some point. And she was watching and f- apparently flipped out about it and asked me as soon as I came upstairs, do I get to come on the podcast to talk about Batgirl? She was ecstatic about it. And so, again, this goes to DC providing those avenues in for different fandoms, in for for different people that want to see themselves reflected on the big screen, on the small screen, in these characters. So continue what, with what you were saying there, Carlos. Did you get that same sense of excitement around Batgirl that you did for Blue Beetle? Yes, but it was different. With these guys, with these directors, and with Leslie Grace and Christina Hodson, they gave me the vibe that they are sitting on the biggest secret ever and that they know <laughs> that what they have is something just baller and is going to be super special and they can't wait to unleash it on the world. Like it was a div- it, it was just just as exciting, but it was different. It was like whereas the Blue Beetle guys were like were really excited about bringing this thing to life, these guys were like just wait. Yeah. <laughs> just wait. We know what's coming. We know exactly what we're going to deliver to you and just wait. Yeah. You're not ready. There's You're some not rumors floating. This. There's some Batman rumors floating. Yeah, so man, I w- I'm excited, and like Christina Hodgson's a hell of a writer. I I love the stuff that she's put together, and Leslie Grace's enthusiasm for it, and I love that she's got a bit of a like not a chip, but she she knows that she's got those doubters and those haters mm-hmm. out there, and I think she's gonna bring it. And yeah, there's a few people that I, I'll squeeze them into a Batgirl shirt myself if I have to down the line because <laughs> yeah, I think this girl's gonna kill it. Yeah. So. she's gonna be awesome troy red hair a cowl on this yeah big potential for this movie Mm -hmm. talk to me about your impression here i'm interested um huh i don't know where i begin so i i saw into the heights i love musicals i wasn't blown away by her performance so I'm not hating on her, so I don't don't squeeze me into one of them shirts just yet, Carlos. But I'm gonna rip that one. But I'm I'm, I'm rooting for her. I'm rooting for her. Um yes. because I'm a That's fan exactly of Barbara. For, for me, when I think of Batgirl, I know there's Batwoman and I, I know there's been many different other um characters that have donned the mantle but for me it's always been barbara that's that's it's for me it's like it's dick racing it's barbara it's batman that's all that's all i need in the bat family and um for her there's a lot right on her for, at least for me and I, I i fell in love with the new 52 costume as well the the second version mm-hmm. like the purple and the yellow and all that stuff so um i'm looking forward to it i'm super excited for it i just don't really know what to expect i don't know what universe we're in either and i know there's a big hint that the Batman will appear in this film, 
the Commissioner Gordon seems to be J.K. Simmons. So that only leads me to believe that the Batman is my boy, Ben Affleck. So I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. But um, I don't want that to take away from this film. I want it to be all on Barbara. And um, it looks like we're in good hands, at least with the writer and the director. So mm-hmm. I, I'm there. But this universe, is it connected to the Blue Beetle? Like, is the Blue Beetle connected to the DCEU? Or is that kind of floating I think else? so. Like, yeah. I, I think the only thing that's going to exist outside will be the Pattinson Batman. Mm-hmm. Right. Movie. And the Joker, like the, the Joaquin like that's yeah, outside yeah, Joaquin Joker. right right yeah so those two. like i think those are like your black label kind of right, thing, right? okay mm. cool cool yeah i get yeah. the real impression yeah that a lot of this is sitting in a universe yes and the flash might deal with some of that where all this stuff lands but i also get the feeling that they're creating these things in somewhat isolation mm. and not relying too much on this like interconnectivity or this interwoven story or narrative that is going to handcuff some of these properties and they're just going to kind of run with it and give subtle nods and hints. And then they'll patch things up with the multiverse as they see fit. That's kind of my impression I'm getting here. I'm not, I'm not seeing a blue beetle dropping before black Batwoman or Batgirl here and having some like inherent tie to it because they're both on HBO max. Right. So, but it's exciting, man. I, like I said, I'm more excited for my daughter on this one, but it, it's there's it's so cool that we're gonna have these two properties drop sometime within the next two years. We don't have a release date on either of these, and and that we're kind of kicking off that production. Like we've gotten through these big films that we're gonna talk about a little later, but this is the next swath of production that DC and DC Film are getting into. Blue Beetle, Batgirl. There's an animated piece that we're going to talk about here in a second, but there's also this Ava DuVernay project that's going to be landing on HBO Max, DMZ. So mm-hmm. you guys are going to have to help contextualize this a bit for me, and I think for the listeners, because this one I didn't fully appreciate in the moment what I was seeing. I, I saw Ava DuVernay up there. I thought that she was a, a part of this. She's producing it. Rosario Dawson, or Ahsoka's in this. It's this <laughs> futuristic drama, which I guess follows the second American Civil War, which kind of really tweaked my interest. And yeah. I it looked really cool. So, Carlos, can you help me out a bit with this one? Like, from what I've seen, I'm really intrigued by it. And the fact that it's, again, another HBO Max show that we're going to have access to gets me even more excited. Yeah, so the DMZ stands for the Demilitarized Zone. Yeah. And it's basically like the no man's land between like the United States of America and the free states of America. And then this DMZ is all carved up by these various gangs and communities and whatnot. And then you'll have Rosario's character kind of working her way through um, this area. And like they said on the, on fandom, she's based on a minor character from the book, but she's been developed into the star role. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's going to be different than the comics, which is typically a good thing. And um, because in the comics, if memory serves, I think it was like a, like a, photojournalist or like a cameraman type of thing that was going through it's been a long time since i've read them but yeah she's she's a paramedic and whatnot but it i don't know it feels like they've got some interesting stories they want to tell and coming from ava duvernay like the socio-political commentary Mm -hmm. that's going to be present and then to be able to do it in this heightened reality with a few of these uh over-the-top characters as far as like some of the gang leaders and 
community scions and whatnot should be pretty interested in having an actress like Rosario going in between and cutting a swath through this story. It'll be awesome. Like guaranteed this, this show will be stellar. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be good. And I recommend checking it out. If you like the walking dead, this will be probably a more digestible version of that. So. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. it's one of those shows that was not on my radar at all. And now it's blipping. Like I'm seeing it, I'm like, okay, when when's this dropping? Because I'm intrigued mm-hmm. enough by the concept alone, and then what we saw at DC Fan, I'm like, okay, I dig this. This is definitely getting a first to one or two episodes out of me, and we'll see how I like it from there, and we'll run with that opinion. But man, I, I like what I'm seeing here and the diversity too of what they're delivering on HBO Max. Now, Troy, it's not New Gods from Ava DuVernay <laughs> on HBO Max. A little different here. Good to see her still playing a creative role inside of dc but yeah. dmz does this have that same sort of blip now on your radar that it does for me not so much for me i mean um i was intrigued by the walking dead for the first season i didn't even finish the first season but um i mean if carlos is selling it like that then i'll probably give it a, a shot i'll check it out mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of obviously ahsoka herself so and and rent i loved her in rent and so many other films yes. so I will um I will give it a watch. I wasn't completely sold when I saw it because I just really didn't know what I was getting into. But um yeah, I'm don't know if I'm a day one, but I will be sure to give this a check out. Is 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 the is the series still going on? Is it was it an ongoing or was it a mini series? No, it was like a limited series. A limited yeah. series, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll check it out though. And it's I don't didn't exactly come with a release date, but there was talks of end of twenty one, early part of twenty twenty two. Okay, so soon. Yeah, I think they're pretty far. Yeah, because I believe in production. August there's some shots snapped of, of Dawson there on set. And so, yeah, they've definitely well into production on this one. So it should be dropping soon and, and really starting and amping up HBO Max. You know, as we talk about this more and more, I'm starting to get a feel of a, a 2021 vibe to Disney Plus on HBO Max here where we spent a year being like, okay, when's the stuff coming? You know, in the absence of the pandemic, there's not a lot of content going on HBO Max, other than the stuff coming from HBO proper, right? There's quite a few HBO Max original series in that, but in this comic book movie world space, we had to wait the better part of a year, if not longer, to actually get stuff onto Disney Plus, to feel like that whole production was actually moving forward consistently enough that we were getting something every three months or so. HBO Max in 2022 is starting to really feel like that for me. And that excites me because the next thing we got to talk about here is an animated piece. Now, the creative team behind this alone got me excited. J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Tim, the man behind Batman the Animated Series, the series that we all grew up with. And he's they're coming at us with Batman Caped Crusader. A term that was thrown around a lot on the weekend, a noir style of Batman, a reimagining, if you will, of the character, very much a solo outing for this character, no Bat family, and telling a different story, going back to the early days of the Batman himself. Now, we're getting a lot of Batman on screen here, Carlos. Is this too much for you, or is the goddamn Batman just smiling ear to ear hearing about oh, this man. stuff? <laughs> I'm smiling year to over-exaggerated, flated-out year because, <laughs> man, there's never too much Batman, and it just goes to show the malleability of this character. Mm-hmm. 
we're talking about three different Batman projects this year or with this fandom and every single one of the three is vastly different. And uh, like, how can you not be excited about this show? You've got such powerful creative forces behind this thing. And to get a, a guy like Bruce Tim to kind of dust off his pens and be willing to work on this and a guy like JJ and then Matt Reeves attaching his name to it. Like, that's huge that's huge and there's also the gentleman that worked on um uh batman beyond who's one of the yes. guys here and uh, his name escapes me right at the second year is just james tucker and uh just listen to james tucker talk about what their mindset is and where they're going with this show that batman's kind of in this no man's land where he's doing his thing but he doesn't have his gadgets he doesn't have his allies Jim Gordon doesn't know quite what to make of him. So I think that's going to put us in a position where we can tell some pretty interesting stories. And I love that while he's in that position, he's also not the Pattinson Batman in a spinoff mm. animated show. He's very much his own version of Batman. And he's kind of got that Bill Finger look to him. And yeah, man, I like I'm so I was in for this thing from the time they announced it and showed that first image. And they know what they're doing. Like you got that unique Batman. You've got that first appearance look with the with the bigger ears flayed out to the side. But then they have like the Batman the animated series cape hold on the front mm. of it, saying like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play with those '90s strings, those chords that you guys like and that we know you love. So it's gonna have a bit of that heat, but it's gonna be its own thing." And like these four guys, they know exactly what they're doing and they'll all keep each other honest. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and to hear Bruce, Tim, like I've read tons of his books where he talks about the limitations of what they could do on that show. And with Fox kind of pulling in the reins and some of the things with like the ratings board to be able to have certain advertisers advertise on their show. There was things that they couldn't, couldn't do and to have the binders off because it's, this is on HBO max, but I don't think it'll be a fully adult uh, project either. That's uh that's pretty special, man. So. Yeah. The Batman is coming hard here and they did not shy away from the threads, not narratively, but the influence of the animated series. There's a lot of animated series clips shown on the DC fandom stream. And I was thinking to myself, like, wait, is this, is this picking up directly from it? Or no, they're just kind of showing, like, look, this is what came before. And these are, like you said, Carlos, these are nostalgic tones that we're going to hit. But we're also doing something very different. And Troy, you seem to, to be very much aligned <laughs> with the direction that they're taking this and in agreement with Batman the Cape Crusader here. A hundred percent, man. I am, I am <laughs> I all there. It. You know, the, the vibes I get is straight, like all my Canadian cats out there. I remember being a kid and like, oh, I think it's like 92 and RDTV. That's what yes. Batman, the animated series premiered on. And mm -hmm. that show gave me chills back then because there was no other cartoon out there like it. Like, I'm coming from an era where I'm watching, like, I don't know, Bucky O'Hare and the Transformers and um, Thundercats. All these bright, colorful cartoon characters. Even Conan the Barbarian. But Batman, that noir look, the mystery, the, the red and black hues, it was so dark. And I, and I loved it. And I feel like we're going back there with, like, these 
Maleficent like bat ears that he has going on. He's Batman <laughs> on his own, like he's solo, which is a huge sell for me. And the creatives, like you mentioned, I am a little, a little nervous about Abrams, and I love Abrams. I'm a big Abrams guy. But he did my boy Spider-Man dirty in the comics. Him and his son wrote a Spider-Man comic, and it wasn't very good. So th- that kind of scares me. But when you got Tucker, and when you got uh, Reeves, obviously, Reeves is fantastic. And then, of course, you have uh, Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim alone sells me on this mm-hmm. whole series. And then you back him up with those other two fellows. Like, I'm completely there. So um, I'm super stoked for this, man, because I've been, I've been craving, like, that noir mystery like batman and maybe even grounded animated characters that he's going to go up against it's it's going to be good it's going to be solid mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about your fear with jj abrams i thought you're gonna turn it it's gonna be batman in the mystery box or something like <laughs> we're just gonna leave him on an island for a little yeah. bit <laughs> so that wraps it up for for hbo max we cooked through that stuff but we got to keep going at this fandom like breakneck pace and we're gonna head over to the video games on this one i gotta turn it over to my two dudes over there from the nerd room arcade to talk about suicide squad kills the justice league and gotham knights now from a guy before i turn over to you guys from a guy that's sitting on the periphery of all this there seem to be a lot of what i would be familiar with cutscenes. Um, the cinematic stuff that they were showing and not a lot of gameplay i think we got a lot of that last year but I believe, like, from my perspective on the video game stuff, this was, like, the pitch to sell to the non-video game player. Let's show them all this cinematic, crazy stuff with characters that we're fairly familiar with in the Suicide Squad and, of course, the Gotham Knights stuff, Batman and the Bat Family. Or I should say the Bat Family, not so much the Batman. But, guys, walk me through some of this stuff. Carlos, Troy, whichever one want to pick this up, one up and run with it. But Gotham Knights, Suicide, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Was this the platform that was really launching this? You know, we're not getting this stuff till 2022, but do you need to see more from this, or are you guys in 100%? Oh, man. Take it away, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, I was already sold on Gotham Knights. So Gotham Knights, you're good. Sealed deal. <laughs> you maybe go out there and get the console just for you. But when it comes to this game, the Suicide Squad, um, they've had a little bit of work to sell for me. Um I believe it's a first-person shooter. I think it's a cool, interesting idea of the Suicide Squad taking down the Justice League in video game form. I wasn't a fan of it in the comic book form, but I am a fan of it in the video games. I think that could be kind of fun. The cast, I'm not necessarily that gung-ho over, but we've mentioned in the past before here that that could easily change. You could easily add more characters to the roster, hence Bloodsport, Peacemaker. But um, (laughs) I feel as a gamer... They, like it's been over a year now and we still haven't had enough gameplay to go off of here which is which is really really weird in, in, in the gaming space because when you look at so many other things it's either you get a bunch of gameplay first and then you get like the cutscene for the second trailer or vice versa but normally you're gonna get some kind of gameplay in there because you got to know what you're working with here for instance um Marvel not too long ago had this huge kind of hype fest for the upcoming uh, Marvel Knights video game it's like wolverine i think doctor strange and iron man and the trailer sold everybody everybody was like wow this looks great but there was zero gameplay you fast forward a couple months later not even and they gave us the gameplay and the gameplay isn't for everybody and it took a lot of people off the project and 
whether you like it or not, at least they gave us what they gave us. Whereas here, they're still not quite giving you what you really need to know. And that and that kind of worries me. Like I said, I think it's probably a first-person shooter. But in this day and age, we have thousands, thousands of first-person shooters. Um, so you, you have to do more than just slap on superheroes to sell the game. But we'll see because it is an interesting concept. Um, the Suicide Squad is, is is pretty big right now, especially with the Peacemaker show coming up. Coming off the heels of the Suicide Squad. And... Um, Rocksteady. Rocksteady is a big factor because they're batting three for three right now with Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, and obviously Arkham uh, City. So for me, I'll, I, I might check it out. I feel like we still need one more trailer of good, solid gameplay, especially when you got things like Battlefield coming up. You got things like Halo coming up. These are all first-person shooters that are solid. I got to see a little bit more of what they're working with here. So that's my thoughts on um, the Suicide Squad versus, or wants to kill the Justice League, or kills the Justice League, or versus the Justice League, whichever. <laughs> I like Gotham that Knights, title better. I, <laughs> yeah. Wants Gotham to kill Knights, the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Gotham Knights, I won't really get into because, like, like I'm in there day one. Anybody that knows me, Court of Owls is like my favorite Batman story of all time, and you get to be Dick Grayson, Nightwing, like throughout the whole campaign. I'm already there. I'm playing with Carlos for like a week straight. Like that game has me day one, pure or buy, whatever it takes. I'm there for that game. I think day of, you basically put Carlos on notice for that too. I did. Yeah. I did. Well, yeah, I got a DM saying like, book your holidays. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so Carlos, man, so take me through some of these video games and where you stand on these, you know, Again, it, I kind of had the same feeling as Troy. Is like it didn't, it didn't feel like enough. But did it need to do any more for you? Yeah, like Gotham Knights, I was in with Fandom One, right? Like they dropped that thing. They had the cool cinematic with Bruce mm -hmm. uh, putting all the sidekicks on notice, and then they actually showed you tons of gameplay because I think within yeah. Fandom we actually got like the first little approach bit where they showed you how Barbara and Tim's mechanics worked and then you got a boss fight in there. So that was cool. And that's right up my alley. Like those type of like three quarter view adventure games, like that is I'm playing ghost of Tsushima right now. And I was playing it seconds before we jumped on to record and I'll be playing it again seconds after we <laughs> jump off kind of thing. Cause that is my jam. But uh, yeah, like suicide squad kill the justice league. Who knows what it's going to be? I got to put my faith in Rocksteady. And Rocksteady knows that they have a lot riding on this one because they haven't put out a game for quite some time. So it's got to be good. Just don't make it games as a service. Like, that is the killer of these things. Like, how you could take the Avengers and tell a pretty inspired story, have pretty cool character models, and then, like, destroy it because you hang it on this games on a service thing. No, like, just... <laughs> <laughs> just don't like just do a good solid story but the thing that had me excited was the story and like how they had the suicide squad interacting and how it's not the suicide squad from the movies but they totally captured the spirit of that and i thought the humor landed for me i like the voice acting i love the take on amanda waller that they got and i'm fascinated with the story because if you there's like that one scene with somebody jumping on superman and i saw somebody had um done a freeze frame of it and it's actually wonder woman so at some point in time they team up with her and it looks like they maybe team up with john stewart because he didn't have like the messed up eyes and mm -hmm. stuff like that like the flash and superman did so 
yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And it seems like they got Brainiac is going to be kind of the big bad pulling all the strings in the background. So that'll give them lots of fun stuff to play with. And yeah, man, you know, you're going to get your blood sports skin and mm. however many other ones after that. So let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see what happens. But uh, yeah, this will be a pre-order purchase for sure. Awesome. This one. It's good to see kind of, as we talked about at the top there, the, the diversity of deliverables here inside of fandom with, with the video games, HBO Max, and the big screen stuff. Like that that was like almost the pillar of all of this, but we can't forget about the stuff that's that's tucked in between here because this event was four hours long, four hours long, but it wasn't all about the big flashy stuff that DC is putting out onto the big screen. There's a lot of nice little subtle things tucked in to the bits in between that I just want to spend a little time talking about. You know, we had a major Superman presence, which I wasn't expecting. Like kind of that second hour, third hour block was really all about Superman. We had this really kid, cool kid stream running parallel to DC fandom that had a lot of things like the Batcar thing and the super pets and all these announcements from DC superhero girls that got my kids all amped up. And so, again, providing this other avenue as has become this theme that I've talked about time and time again with DC is they're delivering on that side of things. So let's let's talk about Superman first. His presence here, not only with John Kent on the announcement that we discussed in a bit of detail last week, so go check that out, our breakdown of that, but also bringing that to the larger stage and also changing Superman's motto. So his motto as like i don't know even know how much this motto was actually used in the comic books truth justice in the american way but they've tweaked that to bring forth again this big transition in dc and i, I love what they've changed it to here right it's it's a much more inclusive much more broadly represented sort of motto for the guy for that symbol of hope for the world and they've modified that to truth, justice, and a better... Is it for a better tomorrow and a, or a better tomorrow? And for a better And for tomorrow. a better tomorrow. Yeah, truth, justice, and for a better tomorrow. Like, how is that not just so perfect for Superman and what he represents? And almost this, this position he took in DC fandom. Like, that to me, outside of, you know, some of these big announcements... That, to me, was almost like the shining piece of DC fandom and really a nice pivot on DC's part to represent what their company is and will continue to be going forward. All-inclusive, diverse, having representation from all walks of life and inviting anybody in to this fandom space. So I absolutely love that. Troy, man, Superman's motto, this change, this all-inclusive nature of it. You digging what they're doing here? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's uh, long overdue for Superman to kind of, I don't think necessarily as a character evolve, because I think he, he has um, done that, but I think for his his slogan and for kind of like the overall look and just his saying, because everybody knows that old saying the American way, and I think it's time that it's actually changed. So I found that pretty appropriate. It, it came out of nowhere. Like I had no idea that was even on their mm-hmm. radar, but I applaud I applaud DC for doing it. And, and and that's many things that DC's been doing because they've really been putting in that work to kind of uh, be a little more woke these days. And and it's paying <laughs> off. It's working for them. So that was cool. I think, I think they handled Superman pretty well, but I'm going to go there because I've mentioned before, 
when it comes to soups, my guy, next to yeah. Tom Willing, <laughs> my guy is Henry Cavill. And the only thing that could have been better is if that guy did the Iron mm-hmm. Man superhero pose in the stadium and dropped his whole new slogan. I would have been like, fire. I would have been jumping on my seat. But um, yeah, I guess I was just really just kind of just missing a little bit of Henry Cavill. I really think it would have just been so cool if you got Man of Tomorrow coming 2024, 2027. I don't even care. Just... Give me that title or stay tuned. <laughs> Superman will return in Black Adam or just just something. Even, like You know, like the concept art that we got in the Flash of we got Keaton, we got Flash, oh. and we got mm. Affleck. If we got Dwayne, Dwayne, Drox, or we got The Rock next to Henry Cavill, like, oh, like the world would have been on fire. It would have been nuts. So for me, I'm just kind of craving just that one last ride. With soups, but I'm greedy because I also want Affleck more longer and I want Henry longer. So, you know, but but I do feel like you guys mentioned his presence was there. Superman's presence yeah. was very much present at at, at fandom. And um, it's cool to see him have a little bit of a rise because I feel like soups is like DC, but gets overshadowed by Batman quite a bit. And I felt like here, beyond the fact that we are getting a Batman trailer, I felt like he held his own throughout this presentation mm-hmm. so uh it, w- it was pretty cool man so my fingers are crossed for fandom next year yeah 2022 <laughs> superman <laughs> for a better tomorrow <laughs> for a better starring tomorrow. henry cavill <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that's a great title actually. <laughs> that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny because i i found that superman had this this presence in the absence of what would be his biggest piece right and that yeah. is mm-hmm. the big screen but we also had the small screen, right? We have Superman and Lois making their presence felt doing that little tour and yeah. kind of guiding along Superman, this new Superman on the CW. That show was really well received. Oh. We're getting a season two. And so we have this embodiment on the CW of a Superman. But yes, I think it will come. I think his presence here and this tweaking of the motto, I think this is you know a slow and steady build to the revival of Superman within DC and him becoming a staple, becoming a pillar of that company again. You know, in the comics, he always is, but he there is there is a noticeable absence of that character in their filmscape. We've got Wonder Woman three announced. We've got all these Batman projects, and we've got the Flash and everything happening around it. But he is a noticeable absence. So, Carlos, I want you to touch on this too. This this presence of Superman, this motto, and even even pull in a bit of the CW. It had some presence there. We had Welling, and they did kind of a surprise Smallville 20-year reunion thing that our boy Zeddy was super excited about, so I'm happy they were able to satisfy that piece of Superman for him. But let, let, let's contact or bring your thoughts to the table here on, on Superman and just any other little pieces that you also want to bring to the conversation too before we jump into the, the big shiny trailers. Yeah, to be honest, like you guys nailed it, how he had just such a prominent role in all of this, but yet there was no big multi-million dollar project mm-hmm. that's behind him. But I kind of love that it was this grassroots kind of yeah. thing where it's like we recognize that comic books are important and we're going to do this milestone piece mm-hmm. to have the reemergence of that brand and those creatives and the mindset behind milestone and making sure that those are a big part of DC moving forward. And then we're going to have Superman, like the cornerstone of just superhero comics and superheroes in general. And every 
big shiny guy in tights stems from this dude. And so here he is, and here's the exciting things we're doing in the comic book space with John Kent, and they touched on like the fact that Cal is going in the big Warwolves saga yes. that they have coming up, which was cool that that was the only they got all sorts of big events happening or big exciting storylines, but that was one that they focused on. And that you had Tyler Hoechlin up there talking about Superman and Lois and how excited he is and really kind of establishing that Superman is now going to be taking the place of Oliver Queen as mm-hmm. the, the, the cog that all the CW spins around. So that was kind of cool. And that you have Superman going back to TV and going back to comic books, just like in, just like what made him the, biggest thing in the whole world way back when in 1930s 1940s we're going back to those roots but this time we're having truth justice and for a better tomorrow like that like truth justice in the american way that was like a world war ii radio drama thing that came was born out of support our troops and then it was dropped and then came back in the tv show during the cold war and it's like yeah it's outdated because superman is an international icon Mm -hmm. and i would argue that beyond the borders of the United States is where he's the most popular. So you need to make sure that there's no, uh, there's no anchor on him that everybody can love him and he belongs to everybody. So if you're in the middle of Africa and Superman's your guy, it's, it can be about truth, justice and the, the Kenyan way. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's just for a better tomorrow. That's what that guy fights for. So yeah, I think it's perfect and it makes him infinitely, more multifaceted and aspirational, which is the the best place for him to be. Because if you don't have him in that spot, then yeah, he becomes the, well, he's too powerful and there's no interesting stories to tell about him. But when you got a guy whose thing is like, I got to fight for a better tomorrow, there's always bad stuff and there's always a fight to make it better. So that's why that guy's doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So Exciting times, man. Exciting times. Yes, very much so. And like for a better tomorrow, just to to put an exclamation point on that change, it is something that can be universally agreed upon across the globe (laughs) that that we all want a better tomorrow. And so the man of hope, the man of steel, Superman is fighting for that exact thing. There's very few things I think we can globally agree on. That is probably one of them. It's so true. Absolutely love it here, guys. Now, let's get over to some of the stuff that we were hotly anticipating coming into DC fandom. And that was inside of their film universe. Universes? Multiple universes. Multiverse, if you will, in one of them. But we got a lot more insight than I had anticipated in some of these projects. Black Adam. Got a behind the scenes and an opening clip. We got a first look behind the scenes to Aquaman 2 and Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. We got a first full trailer, a teaser trailer, I guess you would call it, to The Flash. And we got a follow-up to the banger of a trailer from last year, from Fandom 1, from The Batman. We got this promised, this marketed, this big draw of a trailer for DC Fandom. Really closed this event out. And... For me to say that two of these trailers, maybe even three of them, had me literally out of my seat, hands on my head, yelling and screaming in excitement would be somewhat of an understatement. <laughs> and I could tell. If I were, if we were to screen grab the DM, 
especially around that flash trailer you could see it you could hear it you could feel the excitement coming through there and that that shared experience that we all had as all of these were dropping this moment in time when it was like everything around you froze and we got to just talk about this so let's expand on these let's start with the black adam dwayne the rock johnson the hierarchy of power is about to change or maybe has changed within the dc universe he kicked off the show slammed the door open and said let's go and check out black adam so behind the scenes we got a real feel real vibe for how DJ approaches, how the creatives approach this, this collaborative effort of him and the creatives bringing this character that he has really put his all into, his heart into this character to bring it to the big screen. We've got clips from his supporting cast, Aldous Hodge. We've got just so many people weighing in on what this project is. And then we get to see this killer first scene or whatever it is, introduction scene, literally killer. This was intense. This was dark. And I think Troy Epley pointed out, whether it was on the live stream or the DM, I do not know how they're going to juxtapose this against Shazam. So, <laughs> Troy, why do, you, why do you pick up on a couple of those threads there yeah. from the DM and from this Black Adam behind the scenes and really this clip looking at, at DJ for the first time in this suit? Oh man, the most electrifying man out there. I mean, the way <laughs> literally the way yeah. he started it off because this is how fandom started, and uh, what a showman um, for the Rock to kind of come out there, drop this trailer because I feel like it's been forever now since they announced the Rock as Black Adam. Mm. It's so much has happened, and now it's real. It's it's actually going down, and I like I mentioned to you guys before, like I, I like right off the bat, I got pure Doctor Doom vibes done properly when we saw the entrance with the cloak and him disintegrating the skull got a little bit of Mortal Kombat going on there too it it was it was amazing and I'm just so happy I mean it's a small trailer it's a small clip but I'm so happy that DC is giving you the Black Adam that you have in the comics like this guy is a bad dude at least as of right now in this clip he's a bad guy and I think it's really only been DC to kind of stick their heels in when they're telling you a story about a bad guy, they're telling you a story about a bad guy. Um, <laughs> we'll see what Sony does with, with Morbius. And even he's kind of changed into that anti-hero at some point, but Marvel's not really doing this and no other really studio is giving you a bad guy centric film. We saw what DC did obviously with the Joker. And that was fascinating. That's more of like a character study. I'm sure here would be a little bit different because we're getting an ensemble with like Dr. Fate and uh, Hawkman as well is going to be in this movie. But I feel like Dwayne's just going to own this role. Because he even says, like, I was born to be Black Adam. So I'm like, all right, man. Like, that's all on you. You, you. you look the part. But I'm there. I'm completely stoked. But again, I just feel like it's such a great statement piece to start off fandom mm-hmm. with this trailer. It was it was electric, man. Huge. Mm-hmm. Beautifully put. Statement piece. I really, yeah. really like that, Troy. Because that does. It speaks volumes for the direction they're going with this. And I liked that they didn't show his face in that clip. Yeah. I yeah. found that like that made him so much more imposing. Like he's like a very imposing human being. But he's also the rock, right? He's also the guy that has invited you into his life, 80 million of us into his life via Instagram. And so he has this approachability about him. And they've got to put some separation between that and this character. And I think showing the scene the way they did, and not really ever having him framed up and seeing DJ with the suit on 
I think that's important. I think that's intentional. And I think that really landed for me was that the way that they approach this. This is like you said, this is a villain. He mm-hmm. may be an anti-hero by the end, but he's kicking this thing off in the modern day as a villain. Now, Carlos, my man, we're counting down here to something big with the Black Adam. That with like that we we've been talking about this line and how important it is. Did that line did it deliver here at the opening for DC fandom? Oh man! So if this was gonna be a run of the mill type of movie and they're showing us the opening scene, it would have been. The Scorpion King, the Mummy Two, all over again. Here's ancient Egypt. <laughs> yes, and here's this guy in chains getting dragged along, and then somebody says something mean to him, and he gives the people's eyebrow, and it's like, oh, there's a Black Adam in there, but they're like, no, they're like, we got this banger superhero story to tell, and you know that the Rock used all of his resources and uh, all of his connections to make sure that they number one nailed the story that they got the director that they wanted in Wami Colette Sarah and that he knows he can't, he can't fail because if he does like after all this time building this project up, you can't, a guy like that is not going to have egg on his face. Mm-hmm. So they bring it with this opening scene that it's like this resurrection where they, uh, bring Adam back from wherever he's been exiled to with that sweet like crown that's kind of floating in midair. And so that was cool. Like I love the aesthetic of the tomb that they're in. And yeah, when he shows up and he's just got so much power and presence. And even without saying anything, you could tell the competence of the filmmaker because it was super short. He doesn't say anything, but yet you can see that the character is assessing where he is. He doesn't quite know what's happening that he's in a different time than he's supposed to be. And he's just kind of learning. Right. And he takes off and it's just like that. If that's your opening for this movie, that's pretty special that in such a short period of time, they could tell you so much story with so few words. So that's pretty amazing. And then you had like Pierce Brosnan saying like, dude, I was James Bond for 10 years (laughs) and I have never been part of a project like this. That's a significant This is next level. (laughs) Man, you're you're so right. That's like that's a major endorsement from him. And we didn't and get the to helmet see of Doctor. Naboo? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's this project is is blowing up. July 29th, twenty twenty two, lines in the sand, theatrical experience for all of us. Dwayne the Rock Johnson bringing the Black Adam. Guys, if you haven't seen this clip, go check it out. And like Carlos said, go check out some of the words from the supporting cast here. Because that also speaks volumes for the project that they're putting together. Yes, I know these guys are paid, but Pierce Brosnan doesn't have to say stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean, no, he doesn't. Well, and even Aldous Hodge like seemed super yeah. excited about what's going on, and uh, Miss Swindelzer, who's playing Cyclone, like everybody seemed genuinely enthusiastic mm-hmm. about the project. So. I don't know. They like you said. They they seem like pretty genuine people. Like you've seen them interviewed for other movies, yeah. but this one gave you the vibe that it's something that they're really proud of and excited for people to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man. And Troy, at the end of that movie, man, either Henry's there or I got to be off the podcast. I think maybe. I think that's in the contract. You can go. You can go into some sort of exile. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll I'll be on one Tuesday and I'll be just. Sanjay! Yeah. And then all of a sudden, lightning will strike and he'll be back. He's back! (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, let, let's, let's move on to the sequels here. Aquaman 2 and Shazam 2. A couple behind the scenes. A little bit more, I think, than any of us were expecting from both of these mm-hmm. films, given that they are mid or towards the end of production. I think Shazam just wrapped up, or one of them just wrapped up. But we got to see some scope here, which was actually the most impressive part for me on both of these projects. Yes, Aquaman 1 was fairly substantial in scope, but this one feels even bigger. And Shazam, which felt like it was shot on a street in Toronto, feels like an enormous movie. This is this going all over the place. <laughs> I got a good pop from the guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Those Degrassi vibes of yeah. that Shazam movie. They're undeniable. Yes, they are. <laughs> So, Carlos, let, let's talk about these two sequels and what we got from James Wan here. The introduction on the Shazam side of Lucy Liu and Meryl, Helen Mirren, I should say, not Meryl Streep. <laughs> but we, we've got a lot more here. We got some look at the Shazamly. These these films are, to, they're impressive to me. I, I'm, I can say, call me impressed on, with both these behind the scenes. Yeah, and you know what? I'm on the same page. I thought that we were going to get significantly less than what we actually got to see. But uh, yeah, with Aquaman, I was honestly just expecting Jason Momoa to say like, yeah, we're filming. We got something exciting. (laughs) Yeah, my man. (laughs) And then show us the the two photos that we saw of the original Mm -hmm. Aquaman costume and the stealth suit. But uh, that he took us behind the scenes and that we got to listen to a few of the ideas as to what's driving the movie about it being kind of a an ecological type story and that you got to see how globe spanning this movie's going to be was pretty cool so it definitely elevated my hype for what Aquaman 2 is going to be and uh, with Shazam I was pleasantly surprised to hear I think it was Peter Safran talking about like yeah like he almost admits that we didn't know what Shazam 1 was going to be so mm-hmm. it was just Degrassi with yeah. the superhero in it. <laughs> and then that he's like, yeah, so, you know, we came out, people liked it, and now we're ready to spend some more money, which I think is their new mindset with things where it's like, we're not going to do the Green Lantern and take the big swing. We'll, we'll put out a solid movie, and if people embrace it, then we'll kind of move forward and expand. And that's what this one feels like, where the world is bigger and they're going to be going to more locations and just the scope with like the big epic beasts and things of that mm-hmm. nature. It feels like it's going to be a lot more entertaining. And like Zachary Levi, you kind of know what you're going to get from him and, and the rest of that cast. So I'm curious to see how much they use the actual the kids versus their Shazammed adult counterparts type of thing. I almost hope that we see the adults more than the kids I myself. I think we will. Yeah. That was my Because those are all – yeah, and they're all great actors. Yes. And then, yeah, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren, I think that they'll have, I don't know that we've ever seen Helen, either of those ladies in a role like this. So that should be fun. And yeah, I'm way more hyped for both these projects than I was pre-Fandom, which I guess is the whole goal of the event. Marketing at its finest, man. I'm the exact same way. Yeah, I'm more hyped and I'm very much with you. I want to see more of the older Shazam Lee. Like they're, they're all named actors for the most part. Right, mm-hmm. they're they're all people that have chops. Like, there's a dude from Riverdale, and there's a dude from OC or whatever it was. They they have they have a filmography. They've spent time in here, and they aren't just for like that picture at the end of Shazam. Right, this is I think they're going to be a part of the movie, and they they do show them moving around in their costumes and all that, which was pretty cool. Now, try I noticed you. I for a second there, I was got worried because 
So I'm talking about Shazam, and you just like for the first time ever in podcast history, you took your headphones off and took off. <laughs> I don't. Worry. I thought we were going to be seeing some of that pod drama just yeah. going around. <laughs> so <laughs> these two sequels are behind the scenes. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm hesitant to ask you about Shazam too, but so let's talk about Aquaman <laughs> two first. <laughs> yeah, you know Aquaman um, continues to uh, increase my interest a lot. Mm. I would say, um, you know, it's a funny thing. I really like their color scheme going on with like the whole like icy polar look of the Aquaman. Yes, I think that's a really cool look. And you know, at first I wasn't completely sold on his new costume that they showed a couple weeks back, but. The stealth here a little bit more, yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little more warmed up to it. And Jason Momoa looks like he's just having a blast. Like he just looks like such a fun person to kind of work with. Mm-hmm. Could be a little intimidated at the same time, but Intense. he looks like you could be, like, you could have a lot of fun with him if you're on his, his good side at least. And um, I was a big fan of Ocean Master. Actually, he's a big part for me in the last one. I really liked him and the actor. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's, he's, he's brilliant. Actually, he's, he's quite Patrick good. Wilson. Patrick Wilson, that's right. And so to see him coming back along is is fun for me. I wasn't the biggest fan of uh, Black Manta, though. Um, mm. I like his character in the comics. I didn't really like the actor playing him at the time, but I feel like he's grown since, like with Candyman. And like, he's popped in a couple other things as well. So maybe he'll carry that over into this film. We will see. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. The suit does look good. The suit does look solid. And I'd like to see the ro- the rivalry continue between Aquaman and Black Manta. So, yeah, I'm excited for uh, Aquaman, too. Absolutely, man. <laughs> We're going to end the conversation <laughs> there. We're going right? to end it right there. <laughs> I got nothing else. I like else. it. I like it. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? The, the thing that the Aquaman 2 that strikes me is that I think most of the cast, maybe even Pitbull, is coming back for... <laughs> For it's Aquaman just 305, too. man. Which it's like in this... fact that's what it's gonna be. Aquaman 305 is gonna yeah. be the final one in the trilogy. <laughs> Takes place in Miami. Oh, <laughs> but it's cool that the most of the cast is returning. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. where you're getting even the villain, right? So you're getting a lot of continuity and storytelling there. Which isn't isn't the norm usually for, for a number two. You you get usually the character going down a different path, exploring different villains and different parts of their own universe. And this seems mm-hmm. to be building much more on the, on the blocks that they, they set down the foundation they laid in Aquaman one. And it's in that December time slot, 2022. So it's, it's got a, it's got a real potential to be DC's second largest, if not largest film of all time behind Aquaman one. It's still a shock. That, that film is so, so big. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're talking about scale here, guys, there's there's two trailers, two films that really stand out. There's a crown jewels of of DC Phantom, that crown that's going to be sitting on, on DJ's head maybe one day, but sitting in that, the shiny lights off that, the Flash and the Batman. Now, well, let's start with the Flash. Given that DC Phantom ended with Batman, we're going to end this podcast with the Batman too, so... There's no no one else. I don't want to even want to set this one up. I'm just going to turn it over to the goddamn Batman. There's a voice. There's a trailer. Tell us about your experience here, Carlos. Oh, man. I didn't even need the <laughs> voice or the imagery in the trailer. It was just like those first couple piano tones where it's like the Vicky Vale and the Batcave theme playing. And it was like... I. 
I was kind of guarded going into this one because I was like, ah, they're probably not going to show too much. And it'll, and coming off of the Shazam and Aquaman spots, I was thinking that that'd be more than, <clears throat> more along the lines of what we got. But then those piano tones play and you're coming up to the gates of Wayne Manor. And man, like I, I was playing with this Keaton Batman figure and like my hands are all sweaty and my wife literally like comes and just takes it out of my hands because she's like this thing is gonna drop and break and i don't need to see this guy cry any more than it's going on i right saw now. another one at marty's so don't worry <laughs> and man, i was just blown away by like the tone of the trailer and just like where they're taking it like if you listen like and that it's keaton narrating it mm. and talking to Barry and kind of questioning what his abilities are. I was just like, I can't believe that they're taking it there. It's like, it's one thing to be like, we're doing a multiverse movie and we're going to have Michael Keaton in it as Batman and everybody's going to buy in because you love Batman 89. It's like, oh, okay, is that really enough? But then to actually do it and mm -hmm. to execute like this and to put the thought and the time and the love and the energy into it, it, man. So like it's playing and we, and I was that guy like, Barry comes up in the new baller suit and he comes to the Allen residence. And I was like, yo, just get to the Batman stuff again. <laughs> like, I, I have to admit, I, I I was that guy. But it was cool. It was cool to see kind of Barry going on this journey and planting the seeds for the mistakes that he's likely going to make as he negotiates his way through um, <clears throat> manipulating time and space and all those kind of things. And then... You get to see the years, but it wasn't even just the years. It's like that Andy Muschietti went in and that he had like those boots on the grates in the back cave. And it sounded exactly like when Tim Burton had him thomping around in the back cave, like just that metallic yes. kind of thunk, thunk, thunk. Oh, like I was in, I was on cloud nine. Like I couldn't even believe that this was happening. Like I had out of body freaking experience at some point in time. Seeing this thing, listening to that guy's voice, seeing the the bat suit there that's the same yet different, and oh man, like I am so ready for this movie. It is unbelievable. And then I guess like for Fandom China, they did actually a bigger event, and they actually had the Muschietti's and Ezra Miller uh, being interviewed and stuff. Sasha like Calais as well, I believe. Yeah, so and maybe that's why he was so weird when he kind of jumped into the American feet. Oh, uh, man, he was an odd, odd duck there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and I think that that's what it was was that he was probably not expecting to have to introduce this thing. But uh, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff that they're talking about with Affleck, and I, I think that much like with the rock going into doing black Adam where it's like, you know, you can't miss and you know, you got to do a good job and you know, you got to bring it. That is totally the vibe I got. Like I was like, this is the guy that walked around the set of it with that massive Stephen King book. Mm. Cause he knows what's important and he knows what he's got to get right. And shoot, like I was always optimistic, but now like, man, I'm like Ted Lasso, like jumping up and hitting the believe sign because <laughs> game over, man. Game over. It, it was a special moment. And I love that, that Keaton narrated the first part of that. I felt that was such an appropriate way to like subtly bring you into this trailer with that imagery they're showing, the 89 
Wayne Manor, a lot of things kind of broken down. You're seeing a worn universe. You're seeing a similar, familiar, but a different part of of that 89 universe. And so there's a lot of nostalgia there. And then we're getting some pretty wild concepts in here. Two berries. Whoa. That berry wearing the bat armor with the, the spray paint across it. That we saw Andy Muschietti, he posted on Instagram. We're like, ah, that's just a nice nod to Batman Day and the Flash. No, this is a suit. This is one of the berries is wearing this. The more jacked berry is wearing this. And so I, I look at this trailer and I'm thinking, wow, they showed us a lot here. Still have no idea what's going on. But what aren't they showing us? We got Keaton. We yeah. got two berries. Like, looks like Barry, like uh, another berry is part of the supporting cast of this thing. Yeah. One that we got. Sasha Kaye in there as well. Yeah. Like there was just it was sensory overload yes. with this thing, but yet it wasn't that type of trailer. It wasn't a bunch of images back to back to back to back. It was, it was as low key as they could mm -hmm. make it, and it was still overwhelming. Yeah, it's one of the most dense trailers I have ever seen in my life. There is so much in here to digest, to think about, to contextualize that. I don't like I've probably watched it 10 12 times and I still don't feel like I fully appreciated the importance of what this trailer is. It's not till we see the movie and we understand what Andy Machete put in front of us in this first like 30 or 40 second teaser or whatever it is, minute teaser that we're really going to understand the impact of this and what this film is actually going to be. Troy, mm. The Flash. Oh my gosh. Yo, I <laughs> I I loved I loved what we saw here. It was so awkward as hell seeing um Ezra present this thing, but it just it just <laughs> it killed me. It was so funny just to see what we got. But you know, for me, um the biggest shocker was seeing two berries. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why did that not even cross my mind? Like we're getting a yeah. time traveling movie and it never crossed my mind. But I gotta tell you, to have Ezra Miller play because you know they're going to be completely different kind of flashes, completely mm -hmm. different berries. I think that's going to be something cool because he will be able to pull that off. But the score, the time yes. travel, the Batman, like the cowl that's damaged. Ah, I'm, I'm the suit, the berry the suit. suit, the berries. Well, see, I wonder about that berry. Like, I wonder if that berry wearing the suit doesn't quite have his powers yet. Like, because mm. is it not both berries we see come out of the cab? to wayne manor yes i didn't right? catch so that first on first viewing i didn't catch that right so why would they both just speed over there right i mean unless barry just can't like teleport him not teleport him but like speed run him to wayne manor or to like fry him so i'm like did they both take a cab there because he doesn't have his powers <laughs> it is odd. i don't know it was is interesting <laughs> right because you have the flash but anyways the the whole thing is just has me but like the batmobile almost being revealed like that oh, little tease that's the like, 89 batmobile oh, right it has to be yeah. it has yeah. to yeah yeah uh, 100% but the bat caves never look so cool like mm -hmm. ah this this trailer just had me and then when you see the cow pop up at the end and mm -hmm. i didn't know right off the bat i think it was like the second or third time watching it that it was keen obviously that was narrating the whole thing and uh oh, bruce bruce we made it I, i'm so excited to see <laughs> this film it's just and, and they haven't even showed us affleck yet like like was yeah. that the affleck cow that was damaged or was that the 89 no, cow that was, that was the key one. yeah that was like the full neck right right yeah, yeah. Right. So we like haven't even scallops. had affleck yet and i'm already like overload mode over here so um i'm super stoked i think it's really creative too the fact that he's wearing like the Keaton suit, but spray painted red. And then we also got the flash mm. symbol on there and Supergirl, like barely even saw her. And I'm already like, yeah. Oh my God, this is Supergirl. <laughs> you know, yeah, like he, 
she's a blink and you miss her in this trailer, which is yeah. good, I think. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta save a lot here. And oh yeah, it was it was a breathtaking. I'm, I was the same as you try. I didn't catch Keaton until a little bit further into the trailer and I was like, oh, 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 it's Keaton, it's yeah. Keaton, it's Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I liked it didn't show him. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, holding back on that a little bit. It's subtlety, it's Batman in the dark. It's yeah, it's enough of the imagery that you're like, I know exactly what's happening, it gets you amped up, but it saves some of that experience for later. Which is the the, the I think the tone of a of a true good or great teaser trailer. So have they confirmed like is this the the um Tim Burton verse for sure? Like this is what it is, or is this like another kind of like what if the Keen verse, or is this straight up like I don't know. They haven't really they said haven't. for sure. Right. They they've they've insinuated that like Batman and Batman returns or mm-hmm. canon to yes. what they're doing and whatnot. Cool. But yeah. Cool. We'll see. I man, she Christina Hodson definitely sold me with just the the thought and care that was put into what we saw in this teaser trailer. It's like, girl, you got a story here and I <laughs> I can't wait for you to tell it. Yeah. I'm convinced it's in continuity. It's the eight, like Earth eighty nine, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's that's what that's my feeling. I I I don't see the point in in not doing that. Right. Yeah, like it, it just makes sense to to continue that on. It's familiar, but it's new because how many years have passed, right? Yeah. So a long time. So awesome, awesome. Well, let's move on to another Batman in the Batman, Robert Pattinson. The trailer I was anticipating the most going into this and i can honestly with full confidence say it exceeded my ever so lofty expectations for what this could be should be needed to be with this 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 movie we get the like the subtlety of the riddler we get a little bit more of the penguin we get a lot more of bruce wayne we get a lot more of batman the score the imagery the cinematography selena kyle that relationship that's put in front of us good batman not even good lord good batman like this there is something exquisite there is something so perfectly intriguing about the way this was constructed and how this just has drawn me in in like in, in like a very serious way into this film the the tones of the score that pick up and continue on from the first trailer it's so enthralling and inviting and engaging in what is going on like that score alone listen to it with your eyes closed without even the trailer up and it itself tells a story fear is a tool but when that light hits the sky it's not just a call a warning. What's black and blue and dead all over? You. Dick. Go! 
I, I gotta go to this one again. I gotta go to the Batman here on this one. I'm sorry, Troy. Oh no, I want to hear it. I gotta hear this. <laughs> but <laughs> whether you're Bruce, the Batman, what are you right now? Because there's a lot of it happening in this trailer, and man, you probably have the record, the world record for most views on that original, the Batman trailer from Fandom One. What what, what did this one do for you? Man, I can't even begin to tell you the type of impact that this trailer had because it's like I had uh, I had high expectations but uh, my hype for the movie was always was always in check it's like yeah mm-hmm. I, I believe I love what they're doing but we'll, we'll see like I, I need to see a little bit more and like I'm a believer I believe in Matt Reeves I think he'll deliver something solid but is this gonna be just that next level Batman movie that's going to blow my mind. And then this freaking trailer drops and like no hyperbole. I've watched it for hours, like (laughs) hours and hours, like to the point that my kid literally on Sunday and granted I was nursing a bit of a hangover after our live streams and everything else, but she comes downstairs and she's like, again, like she's like, you have a problem. <laughs> and just kind of makes her breakfast and like goes on with her day. But uh I I can't believe how like this trailer is freaking profound. Mm-hmm. Like just like the the way that the music is choreographed to the imagery and then on top of the music you have just the audio with like the ticking clock and the gunshots. And I've totally fallen in love with how Pattinson looks in the costume. Oh, yeah. Because, like, much like with the Affleck suit, the still shots don't do it justice. And then the first trailer, um, it didn't do a great job of showcasing the suit. Like, we got it, but it was always really fast and kind of very strong angles when we saw it in that first trailer. But here we get to see him in all his glory. And there's that first shot as he's looking up at this signal and you get to see him all framed out. And it's like, I get what Reeves is going for with this costume where it's like, you might not dig it when you see it sitting in a prop warehouse or on set picks. But when you see this thing properly lit and shot the way it's intended to like, Holy smokes, like his head in the cowl, the years notwithstanding, like that's the superpowers action figure with that square jaw and the way the cowl cuts all the way back to the end of the jawline. Amazing. And then like just the ferocity and intensity and the fight choreography. And like Troy put it best. He's like, this Batman is like the Terminator where this guy does not stop. And Mm. they just sold it. We're like just off the opening beats. Like he's taken on like eight guys by himself gets shot, kind of shakes it off and gets off the line for that second bullet and like just chokes this guy out and oh the intensity was insane. I love the scope of the movie, the colors, the everything was interesting. And we've seen so many Batman movies. And how does this guy bring something completely new that we've never seen before? And it was a Batman that I've never seen before, where it's like, yeah, you kind of had hints of this on the page here and there, but we have never seen this Batman in live action or in an animated show. And it absolutely blew my mind. Like, I I fell in love. In fact, we got a friend of ours who's a massive Twilight honk, 
and I sent her a text after probably the 15th viewing and I was just like, Hey, just, you know, our path is now mine. <laughs> and, uh, cause man, I am all in for this guy as Batman and Bruce Wayne. And he looks great in the costume, how he's like this tall kind of just muscular enough mm -hmm. Batman. And he's got this kind of homebrew gear where this guy's going to be doing some damage and like, Oh, I could go on and on and on about this trailer. Like everything from just the intensity and like to Batman with a bat. Like how cool was that? Yeah. Man, that hallway scene too, the way it's lit oh, and shot. Oh, and then culminating with Oswald. Like Col yeah. can, I still cannot see Colin Farrell in that. The guy's buried inside of that. Like yeah. I saw a side by side and I like if if you yeah. had told me Colin Farrell was in this movie, not sure who he's playing. I literally spent the entire film looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and it doesn't look like makeup either. No. It, no it's just no. great. And that's testament to the VFX artists. And and you know what? I'm going to shout out. You can tell that this thing was shot on location with practical yeah. effects. And like all the grief that they took with having to implement all the COVID protocols and wrestle with that and the challenges that it presented them. Like... I'm so thankful that it was worth it because it shows on the mm. screen. Like, looks so freaking good. And, like, Matt Reeves, God bless, man. Like, that was a master class. Like, even if I don't get a movie and just I die <laughs> just tonight and perpetual trailers. That trailer, <laughs> I, I, can, I can go meet my maker happy mm -hmm. and just be like, yo, that guy made a movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's there. Please don't die tonight, though. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, bring some of your yeah. musings to the table on the Batman. Oh, man. Um, listen, this trailer, the more I watch it, the more I am completely blown away. I actually watched it before recording tonight. Had my headphones on. I was My face was right in the screen. <laughs> the, the score. The score is so yeah. good. Like You cannot appreciate it enough. Out putting your headphones on you know when you you hear something a certain way when your headphones are on or when you're in your car yeah man this score is phenomenal like and this is only a small sample god knows how good it's going to be throughout the whole film um i love the skyscraper scene between batman and selena i think mm. that is just oh. like magical seeing those two because you don't really see batman enough in the daytime and to still see like the shadowy background but then there's like in the in, in, in the background as well um the forefront you have the light it's a yeah. really cool dynamic too between the two of them. It's it's something else, and you know Roger Deakins capturing all this stuff. It's just like mm, I'm really pumped for this film. But that final shot, the final shot for me, it's oh. it's the <laughs> money shot, the flames in the background going on. Batman is just ruthless and will not give up, and he's just on his way to hunt down the Penguin. And I love like the the cockiness and the swagger to Penguin thinking that he like outdid the Batman mm -hmm. and nope, he comes through the fire. And, you know, I thought about a lot too. this film for me, this Batman, like I, I'm obviously still like the, like the Affleck is my guy. Right. But I've thought about it. And when you go back to the James Bond era, for me, it's like, it's like Roger Moore and it's Pierce Brosnan. Those are my bonds. And then came Daniel Craig. And I was like, ah, I don't know about this guy. And I feel like, I feel like Daniel Craig or I feel like Robert Pattinson is like the Daniel Craig of the Batman world. I feel like this guy's going to be like this yeah. film here is going to be like the Casino Royale. That's like you can't sleep mm -hmm. on this one. This one is going to be something that goes down in the books, but it's a modern take on the character that 
went somewhere else and that will become almost like its own classic interpretation yes. of the Batman. I feel like in my head, that's the best way I can kind of put it together. And um, yeah, I'm just loving the hits that Batman is giving. I love that machine gun or the, or the shooting scene going off on his costume. And Carlos mentioned it before the eyes, his eyes are, are piercing and he doesn't have obviously like the, the thickness of like the Affleck or like the Batman that I'm normally used to, but he kind of has like this vampire kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> Dracula look going on. It's cool. It's, it's haunting um, because he's lanky, but he's kind of like a little bit leaner. And there's something about this Batman that's just different and out of this world. It's, it's cool, man. I really like the vibe that Reeves is giving off and uh, man, come March time, March 5th, March 4th. I, I got to see this film. I got to see this film so bad, man. I still want to know what they're going with, but the red, the red hues going on with that, that color scheme, if that's going to pay off in the film. Um, but wow, we're in for a treat. This is, this is something special. This one definitely specials across the board. I think at, yeah. at one point in time, whether it was in this podcast or online or another podcast, we've all said, this is something special. This is going to be a true event film. The return of like a solo Batman to the big screen a new interpretation, a new adaptation, a new iteration of a character that has had so many different takes on him, yet this one, like you said, Carlos, feels so different again. And and Mm -hmm. Troy, I love your comparison there of him being like the Daniel Craig. It's like this new era of Batman coming in with a bit of swagger, Mm -hmm. but it's about to take things in a completely different direction. So, yeah, what a way to close out dc fandom like this the i my hands were on my head i was screaming i was yelling through most of this day it was an <laughs> exciting day guys it was fun to experience it with you it was a fun to experience with the community and it's been a blast breaking it down here you know we we freaking rocketed through this content and i'm happy that we got that time that space to to rethink all of this content so much of it put in front of us and just really, truly how important this event is for DC. DC Fandom Part 2, building on on Fandom 1, and really showing us the path for, for DC, like I said at the top, particularly in the film and TV, for the next two to three years. This, guys, is a company with a very bright future, with a vast array of projects, both done in the can, ready to go in production, and in waiting. There is so much to be excited about for DC, whether you're a comics lover, TV, CW, HBO Max, big screen. There is something literally for everyone, every age, every background, every different passion, love, whatever it is. It's there for you guys. And that's so exciting to talk about and break down. And I'm so pleased that we got to do this again this week, one year out ish from, from fandom one and just in front of, 2022 guys we're not far away from dc really kicking in a high gear in march with the batman and cascading out into four films next year a whole pile of hbo max shows that's not even talking about all the other stuff that we're going to catch up on next week so let's put a pin in fandom this week guys we're surely going to pick up on some of the threads next week as we have more time to think about this and as we notice we missed something important in particular not on purpose just because we got excited about something else. Yeah. And shout out to Uncle Todd for making yes. an appearance on Fandom. Yes. We will. This podcast in particular. Yes. I cannot forget about that. There's a lot guy. of spending there. We will pick that up. That plastic 
piece of it, Uncle Todd, of oh. course. Can't forget that. We will pick up on that next week when we expand a bit on on some of the plastic taken, even some of the the first jump I made into McFarlane. Um, so it, it's happening, guys. It's happening. The new room's expanding yet again. <laughs> so if you'd like to provide some of your commentary, your thoughts, your opinions on DC Phantom, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at thenerdroom.net. The hunt is real, and it's over on Instagram. You can find all three of our various pickups from time to time over there at the Nerdram on Instagram and Twitter, guys. We've had a lot of fun discussing fandom and more over there. And so join in the conversation. Use hashtag we the nerd. Our handles are at the end of the episode. If you want to follow us at us, just join in the conversation. Do whatever you want to do, but just get in there and have some fun with us. So with fandom behind us and a lot more anticipation, a lot more fun to be had within DC. So until next week for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Vengeance. Oh. And thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sunjabby, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.